I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. Hello and welcome to another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. We are so excited to kick off season two with an episode with both Jay and I, and we are going to be talking about relationships, resentment, forgiveness, and fixing any damage that borderline personality disorder has done on relationships. So we have Jay. Welcome, Jay. Thank you very much for having me again. Oh, for sure. So... Somebody had sent in a question about fixing the damage BPD has done on relationships. And I've gotten a lot of requests, actually, to talk about resentment, letting go of resentment, to keep talking about forgiveness and kind of giving strategies on that. So that's where we're going to go today. That's what we're going to talk about. Um, So let's just start by talking about the first part of the sentence fixing the damage bpd has done on relationships so jay what do you think about when you see that well fixing the damage bpd has done on relationships uh you know it depends on what you're talking about you know i think of it as you know a relationship is evolving it's transitioning it's you know there's a lot of different uh aspects to a relationship so, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is, uh, you know, you're on the road and you get into a car wreck. Um, you have to assess how bad the vehicle is damaged. You know, can it move on uh, or is this something where the car is totaled? Um, you know, that assessment has to be uh, made before you can proceed forward. So what I do is I place a value on our relationship you know, like there is, um, it, it's at a level in which I, you know, extremely value, you know, our time together, what our, our, our relationship means. There's so many different variables as to the value that I place on our relationship. And then I place a value on whatever conflict uh, we engage in. And, you know, does the value of the conflict supersede the value of the relationship? Because if it does, then there's some real problems here. That means, you know, at, at this point, the relationship is totaled and, you know, something needs to happen. Uh, most likely, uh, we cannot proceed forward until whatever it is that is broken needs, you know, it, until it gets fixed. Um, now, if there's little dings and dents and little things like that all relationships have that that is not something that's unique to bpd so understanding you know how much do you value whatever it is that the conflict is in comparison to the overall relationship itself um hopefully uh, that number is going to be less than what you value the entire relationship. Again, if it's not, uh, then that's pretty much a totaled wreck um, of a relationship. And that's something that needs to be addressed. All right. That's a good point you make. It's So 
<laughs> what what is the value that you put on our relationship? No, I'm just kidding. So, <laughs> so if we look at you and I and our history together, because I know people like to, you know, relate to some of the things that I've been through, that we've been through and grown through, and we look at like, you know, that time, the the time we broke up before there was all that space and separation between us, and then we got back together. Was that a situation where the conflict or the damage had been done so much so that you felt like it had been totaled and that's, you know, why we broke up kind of thing? Uh, For the most part, yes. Um, I needed to rethink and regather my thoughts on how we could proceed forward uh, because our relationship at that point in time was – it was wrecked. I mean it was, it was totaled. And I needed time to regroup and think about, you know, how much I did value you. Because I just remember, you know, when we did break up that I was sad because I know, you know, I knew how ex- how emotionally explosive you were. And that how anybody who doesn't have your best interest in mind could exploit that and could, you know get you to do some really crazy things purely out of emotion and i really felt sad about that you know i felt like you didn't deserve that kind of treatment that kind of person um but at the same time i didn't really know how else to handle the situation i didn't really know how else to handle the relationship so you know I needed to regroup and regather my own thoughts, you know, the angle that I would come in at um, when, you know, if and when the relationship was ready to move forward and reconnect, um, you know, I was prepared either way. And, you know, when we got back together, uh, I knew that, you know, you, your, you know, anger, um, explosive emotions were still going to be a thing that's not something that just goes away um but it's more in how can i be a stronger partner to handle such things and how could i be somebody that can really convey to you that i am trustworthy and that there is no one on this earth that has your back more than i do uh because that's the kind of partner that i want to be and I know that that's the partner that you need um, and that the partner of the person with BPD, they need that because, like I said, it would be so easy to exploit um, that emotion and to use it against you to, you know, just come up with some really off the wall things, you know, like doing things that are completely out of your character, you know, like. That's something that I never wanted you to face again uh, because it's dangerous. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It makes sense. I mean, I think you said a lot of really good things there. And I, it's also interesting the way that you, you know, think of the breakup. It was like you were sad, you know, sad for you, sad for us, sad for me, and like kind of worried about, I guess, what would come of me if I continued on the way I was, you know, going on with someone who wasn't very nice. And then also you spent that time 
rather than having all of that resentment and focusing on maybe even like hatred, because there were some, I did some really intense things. So you didn't spend the time focusing on the hatred or focusing on the lack of forgiveness. You spent that time focusing on what you could do if we were, well, if I guess if you were going to be in a relationship with anyone, right? Just like, how could you be a stronger, better partner for anyone? And then more specifically me, if we were to get back together, which is, that's huge to say that that's something that you did, right? So that to me means that there are or was always two of us in the relationship. Not that just my, the damage that I did, but also how can you, you know, help me grow, right? So it's a partnership. Absolutely. And it's it's a partnership that is based on the foundation of trust. You know, if you, <laughs> it's funny because sometimes when you would get mad, it's like I see this little girl that is, you know, in the swimming pool, you know, the swimmies just came off the arms for the first time and you're being asked to swim by yourself and, you know, you get that face and that panicky feeling of, you know, I no longer have these swimmies on my arms and I'm just going to flail and my face just looks like I am in just complete terror. And, you know, I just, I know that I want to be the person that has their hands under your arms saying, listen, you're going to flounder. You're going to, you know, you're going to freak out. You're going to do these things, but I got you. You know, there's no way I'm going to let you drown. And that's the kind of partner that I wanted to be, that I continue to want to be. And that's the partner that absolutely everybody needs. Even BPD, your partner needs that same person. You know, so that should give you a sense of purpose as well as the partner of the person with BPD, you know, having each other's back, you know, making sure that trust is something that should never be broken. Uh, that is something that should be gained and earned uh, through the things that we do for one another, you know, not just the words that come out of our mouths. It's just such a great visualization of me with, <laughs> it's true, you know, it's so true. And I also just want to take a moment, maybe a little sidetracked to, to say that, yeah, you know, if you have BPD and you're also hyper-focusing on the damage that you've created while getting, trying to get your partner to stop focusing on the damage that you've created, maybe you can also have this journey of being a better partner because, you know, Jay's right. One of the things that I had to really learn to do is to think of him, to think about him and what he would need, which is not something I'd probably ever done in my life is learn to think of other people, you know, naturally or to, you know, try to figure out how to do that. And so one thing that I would try to do, and I still try to do is be the best partner for him. So if there's ever a day where his swimmies fell off, <laughs> that, I could, that I could be there and help him out. I mean, it's just funny to think of it that way because that well, it wasn't that way for so many years, right? I mean, I think it's 
it was a long road to get to the point where I could confidently say that if your swimmies ever fell off, that I would be able, be able to help you. And I had to cultivate that over a long period of time. So right there, you know, that's something that you both can focus on in a relationship, not just the damage that BPD has done, but focusing on how to move forward. How can you both be the best partner for each other? And also, you know, again, it's like, if you are, I think of it this way, if you're with somebody with borderline personality disorder, and you continue to stay with that person, and you've placed value on the relationship, and you value the relationship more than the little incidents or the dings and dangs, and the relationship isn't totaled, then isn't it, in my opinion, I feel like that's your responsibility then to choose to grow because why on earth would you stay with someone with borderline personality disorder if it's a romantic situation if you're not going to grow and even family members like why on earth wouldn't you try to grow if you expect this other person to grow growth isn't a mental illness based thing it's like a everyone in life grows absolutely and when one partner is not growing or they refuse to grow that's where resentment starts to build because you both know that you're capable of growing. Uh, it's the refusal, you know, it's the awareness that I do need to grow up here, but I refuse to because I feel good in this little dark space that I'm at. And, you know, this is where I normally went throughout my childhood. But, you know, the, the, the flaw in that logic is you're no longer a child. You know, if you're in a relationship, you have somebody else that depends on you as well. And they are trying to grow and they need you to grow. You know, like I said at the beginning, a relationship is something that is, you know, it, it transitions from, from one phase into another, into another, into another. And there's going to be highs and lows. There's going to be obstacles. Uh, but if you have no problems, then everything is simply an obstacle, which, you know, at the beginning of our relationship, I yell like we don't have any problems, yeah. you know, but why are we fighting? It doesn't make any sense because we don't even have any problems. Um, we simply have obstacles and obstacles are something that, you know, you just need a strategy to get around them because once you get around them, you start to, you know, open other doors that lead to different places. Uh, you know, when I met you, you were not this you know, baller podcaster, you know, extraordinaire and, and, you know, mindset coach and therapist. Uh, you were the therapist. You were not all these other things though. Uh, but once you were able to get through these obstacles, all of these other doors just started opening up right before your eyes and you took them, you know, and that takes strength, that takes courage and that takes commitment. Um, so, when you're able to let go and able to trust in your partner, you can do so much more. You know, when when that union happens of partners and to become one, uh, you become, you know, just extremely powerful. And there's just so much more that you can achieve if you work together and if you rely on one another. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. I wasn't always that. I was definitely the you know, kid, little kid freaking out just like that with everything. We didn't have problems, right? But I would have disagreed, you know, I would be like, you don't love me. Like, I love you. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> the contest. <laughs> right. You don't love me enough. 
right? Those kinds of things. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And I, I think what you're saying is that you didn't, resentment for you didn't build because I always kept trying, right? Like, so if I had stopped trying to grow, if I had, if we would have had like, you know, we'd had art, we would have an argument, right? And then we'd have like a really long conversation about what I could do differently. And then I would actually go. I mean, I knew because we had broken up, right? That one time. So I knew after that, that I had to do everything that I could to like figure out how to do this thing called relationship or love, right? So if, if I never did that, then you would have probably built up a lot of resentment over time, right? But I just didn't do that kind of thing. Well, I just think that you had a, I don't know how to even phrase it. I think that you just, you didn't have a clear understanding of what love was. So you telling me how much I didn't love you enough People who say stuff like that, they don't really know what love means. You know, they have a different perspective on love than what, you know, others may have. And if you think of the word love, it is an abstract concept. You know, that is not a concrete thing. Like, you know, you think of the color red. We all have an understanding of what the color red is specifically. Love is an abstract idea. So just because you're claiming that the other person doesn't love you enough or doesn't love you or doesn't love you the way that you need, uh, you're most likely flawed in your logic uh, when you say things like that. So understanding that love is very, very profound and very, very abstract uh, it's just something that, you know, grows over time and you start to, you know, if you trust your partner enough, you start to realize how much they love you because they're doing things that you didn't even recognize as love. They're doing things, they're being there for you, even though you just expect them to, you know, like they, they don't have to, you know, they're doing that because they do love you and they do want to you know, make sure that you feel heard and that you are in a safe space when you're emotionally dysregulated uh, so that you don't hurt yourself. Those things are all forms of love. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's just a hard concept to wrap your mind around if you have BPD. That's a really difficult one because that to me was a problem, but to you it wasn't a problem. It was an obstacle because I couldn't understand what love was. I wanted, you know, control, right? <laughs> love is control, right? And that's just not what it was. But yeah, I mean, I I guess a couple of things I'm thinking as we're talking. So one is why... As my partner, though, because, I mean, you're telling all of these things, right? So clearly I was not the person I am today then. So what, like, helped you for all the other partners out there to let go of the resentment? Why didn't you allow that to build up over time? Why did you forgive me? I mean, it got to be a lot. Like, I remember I lived it. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to. Oh, I lived it, too. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So we both know it was bad. It was pretty intense, you know, at times. It's so crazy because we laugh about it, you know, side note, and it's just not like that anymore. So it's it's not anywhere, right? Not even. 
It's not even close. And it took growth. It took trust. You know, the trust was the first thing that needed to be established. And, uh, you know, growth comes along with that uh, because you're willing to let go of things that typically you want to grip onto so tight um, because you realize that having a grip on those things, it really has no value. Um, and how I got through that back then was again, you know, I saw this beautiful woman that, uh, was just lost, you know, your, your, your lens in which you viewed life was just foggy. And I knew that I was the kind of guy that could clean that lens out in the most pure way, uh, that, I could do, you know, and I would, that was my mission. And I knew that the the value that I placed on you was so much higher than the little, you know, fits and, you know, fights and, and miscommunications and freakouts and all that stuff. My value, you know, that I placed on you was just higher. And, you know, I'm not going to say that it was easy because it wasn't. I'm not going to say that I didn't have resentment because I did. Um, But how you handle that resentment is growth. Um, Once you stop engaging in those same behaviors, once both partners are willing to eliminate that behavior that is disconnecting you, the resentment goes away. Mm -hmm. You know, I've... (laughs) If there's anybody out there that's ever played Call of Duty, you know, you're playing this video game and, you know, we play with our son, all three of us. And there's you start getting shot by other uh, soldiers and your screen starts to get really red, you know, and then you you duck behind a, 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 a boulder or a building or whatever. And your screen slowly starts to clear out again. You know, that's resentment. You know, it's just a buildup of stress. So it just, you really start to feel, you know, your, your, your vision start to get really, really cloudy. And then, you know, the thing stops, you know, that's, that's causing all that stress. And then you can see clearly again, you know, and that's something that everyone can get through is resentment because that is, you know, you kill resentment by growing with one another, by communicating with with one another and by trust. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely phenomenal the way that you were able to do that. And I also think it speaks to your level of, excuse me, strength. Oh my goodness. So I think it speaks to your level of strength. So I think, you know, what I would wonder is if there's some partners out there who have been kind of beaten down by it and can't you know I mean I did beat you down I definitely you know tried unintentionally to beat you down right so like fight after fight or like same conversation after same conversation and you just kept coming back I mean there are some times that were touchy but you kept coming back so for people who are struggling you know, with, they want to be with their person, they, they place that value above all the conflict, but yet it is just so painful. They're like on guard waiting for the next attack from the partner with BPD. Is there a starting place for them to start to learn, 
you know, this growth, or do you think it would really take guidance here? I honestly think it takes guidance. You know, it is all of our responsibilities, both sides of that partnership, to seek self-improvement. Not just the people with BPD. Everybody deserves self-improvement. So I suggest getting a coach, getting a guide, you know, looking up to people that, you know, you see their strength and you aspire to have strength like that. Um, There are plenty of people out there. We're both coaches. Uh, You know, this is the thing that we do and we do well. Uh, So my suggestion is get a coach. If you don't really know where to start, you know, it's like when the person wants to work out you know, I'm a personal trainer. So they hire me to say, okay, here's what you should do. You know, if this is your goal. Here's how you get there. And I guide them through that and they get to their goal. Boom. We move on to a different goal. Uh, mindset coaching is no different. Uh, it's simply the personal training of, you know, how you view life and how you handle problems and how you handle obstacles. Uh, it's from getting from one point to another. And uh, so I will always say, find a mentor, find a guide, find a coach uh, that will get you to where you want to go with more strategy involved. Yeah, that's a great point. Guidance is probably necessary if that's if you're feeling like you don't know what to do and you're the partner of the person with BPD. And I hear a lot of the times where it's like, well, my partner doesn't like therapy, doesn't believe in therapy. Well, you know, that's why we have coaches, right? Coaching is different than therapy for a lot of reasons. Like this whole podcast is based on a coaching, not a therapy model, although I am, you know, trained as a therapist. So that's just gives you an idea of the difference between therapy and coaching. And I would also say, you know, that that's not quite fair, right? Like every relationship requires growth. Every relationship requires two people making choice after choice to connect with each other, to grow with each other. So, you know, I think BPD or whatever other mental illness, whatever other label you want to insert there in between the person becomes that thing that everyone's focusing on. But if you both choose to be in relationship with each other, the BPD individual, let's say, needs to grow. The other individual needs to grow too. It would have to happen regardless of whether or not there was a diagnosis there. And you have to realize that, that you know, in order for a relationship to sustain over a long period of time or to be sustained over a long period of time, both people have to continue to grow and change. You're just not going to stay the same as when you first dated. That's what happens, like, when marriages and relationships dissolve, is that people stop growing, right? Yeah, and I would also add that, you know, I we just moved into our house uh, back in August and there's all these things that I don't really know about. You know, we have a well, um, don't really know about how to maintain a well. Uh, We have this thing called geothermal heating. I don't know nothing about geothermal heating, but it's ours now. And so it's my job and my responsibility to get an, uh, to have an understanding on how this works and how can I maintain this so that it doesn't break. Or how could I at least get some knowledge um, for when it does break, what to do? Uh, You know, we all seek guidance in some form or fashion. Um, 
Mindset coaching is not therapy. It's advisory. So you have an advisor who will listen to whatever the obstacle is, whatever the problem is, you know, whatever the thing that you're not really understanding, like the well or the heating system, and you get some insight. You get some insight on how it functions. You get some insight on, you know, if this red light comes on, this is what you should do. Uh, It's advisory. So it's not therapy. Uh, So people who are resistant to mindset coaching, uh, you get mindset coaching on anything that you ask questions about um, that you don't, that you have an unclear understanding of. So just, just know that it's not, this is not something where, you know, you're, you're laying on a couch. Um, This is simply, you're getting advice from another person who knows some things about this specific subject. Good point. You're getting mindset coaching anytime you ask for advice for anyone. You're getting coaching on how to, you know, figure that out. That's a good point for sure. So I guess I would also say that or actually ask you, what do you think about regaining trust then? So in, you know, and there were there points in our relationship where you stopped trusting me because my reactions were like little landmines you'd never know what would I, what I would say, you never know what would set me off kind of thing. I remember you saying that, right? Being with you, it's like a landmine. I would, you'd never know. So then if that's the case, how do you regain trust? Or even if we're speaking to, I know I have, you know, some people who struggle with external validation. So they might do things to get external validation that are inappropriate in a relationship, you know, maybe could be cheating or, you know, I don't know something along those lines but not quite that like any kind of behavior that was based in externalizing which is part of the disorder how do they start to regain trust i think letting go of resentment is a part of it right here uh you know it comes back to communication both sides have to be able to communicate clearly with one another transparency is needed Uh, Because if there is a breakdown in trust, that means that there is a breakdown in communication. There is something that's not being understood between the both of you. And so having a sit down conversation on how, you know, we can move forward um, with whatever that subject matter is, uh, is crucial. Uh, because there has to be an understanding going forward, um, you know, we will handle this subject like this. You know, you, you start to set up systems, you start to set up formulas in which you can communicate with one another, even in the heat of the battle. You know, when you are not fighting, you should be setting down ground rules. Um, when, you know, there is something that, if I see that, you know, you are on edge, uh, I know that there are things that um, I will do to help you get through that, you know, and to even show you that life isn't that bad right now. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just maybe in a bad mood or maybe you're just tired. Um, but we can always push through this stuff. And if you trust one another, again, there's that T word. If you trust one another, you will start to lean on each other, both partners, 
So that comes with communication though. That comes with sitting down and saying, listen, I value our relationship, but if we don't take care of these problems, the vehicle that which is our relationship will become totaled. And is that what we want? We need to be honest. Is this the direction that we really want? Because if the answer is yes, hey, just walk away. But if the answer is no, this is not what we want. We want a better life with each other. Then you have to start fixing the little things that are slowing this vehicle down. You know, the little things that are hindering the growth and the transitions of this vehicle that you're in, of the relationship. Yeah, that's such a great point because we did, you know, have those times where we're communicating and that's really key. So if you are like trying to regain trust and, you know, either partner, both people in the relationship, you want to be able to sit down and communicate and listen. And I know like that can be really difficult for someone with BPD. So if you want, if you're out there and you're asking that question of how can I help with this damage that I've created in my relationship? Well, one thing you can do is listen, actually actively listen to your partner and what they're saying they need from you and not just skipping over it thinking, oh, okay, well, this argument is over, so they don't really need those things, right? Actively listening, writing it down, studying, trying to learn about it, doing whatever it is you can to help grow. That right there helps regain trust. It's like, well, at least you're trying, right? And I think that's something that, you know, you saw in me. I kept trying. I didn't stop. I kept trying and it was slow. But so it's not only that that person with BPD keeps trying, but it's also that the partner gives them space to grow because it's not like I overnight just like stopped doing that. You had to wait a long time i would say probably a couple years to you know yeah here i don't feel like i waited i feel like uh, my approach was build you stronger you know you were very fragile back then and so i knew that you just needed to get stronger so what was one of the first things we started doing working out (laughs) you know like there's a huge correlation of you know physical health and mental health they fit they go one with each other uh they're hand in hand so i knew that for you it was building up strength because you were vulnerable you were fragile you were emotional uh you didn't have a lot of uh emotional strength you know you didn't have force you didn't feel powerful if you felt powerful you would never have those those um you know what do I want to say? Tantrums. Tantrums, yes. Yeah. You wouldn't have them uh, because powerful people don't do that. Uh, so I knew that it was a matter of building you up, you know, instead of, you know, the things that I was doing and saying, you know, even though you would perceive them as being tearing you down, that's the total opposite of what was happening. And, you know, over time, you know, you started seeing uh, good things come about from the things that we were doing to strengthen you up, you know, mindset, physical, you know, you just became happier because you had more control of yourself. You felt stronger. You felt empowered. And that was a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's you and I, I think, because you had gone on so many journeys to 
figure out your own self like you already knew what would help me you know like because the working out wasn't just exercise for me in my mind it was exposure to physical discomfort so whenever I was you know what I would get upset all we'd have arguments about it. it was never about exercise or like aesthetics it's always about exposing me to what it felt like to be really physically uncomfortable and pushing me to the point where I had thought that I was gonna die and realizing that I was like nowhere near that point it was like things like that right so yeah you did all of those things I think a partner would need guidance to be able to do those things I mean, that's part of your growth work as a mindset coach and I could be wrong you know if you're out there and you're a partner and you can implement some of the things that Jay is saying because you understand where he's coming from and your you know partner with BPD is willing to listen that's another big thing I was willing because I knew that he wasn't going to lead me off of a cliff I had already knew that even though I had doubts about whether or not he loved me as much as I love him he wasn't going to lead me off of a cliff. He wasn't going to hurt me intentionally. I knew that. So I was just going to go with it. And I didn't, I wasn't always the most compliant person, but you know, I definitely, <laughs> oh, if they could see the look on your face, we should do YouTube videos. Cause that'd be funny. Um, but if like, I wasn't always the most compliant, but I did it anyway. And I had to struggle through all those things, but you guided me. So I'm thinking of my current clients who have partners who, you know, they're not yet able to do that. Maybe they haven't sought growth or maybe they're just expecting that person with BPD to change overnight. I see that a lot. And so that's where I'm really speaking to those people where it's like, look, first of all, you're choosing to continue to be in relationship with them. So you need to seek growth too, even though you think maybe therapy is like adversive or if you're dating, why should you go to counseling? Things like that. You should definitely seek role models like, you know, like you were saying. And I think, you know, if you need guidance, admitting to needing guidance as a couple or as an individual, I also think it's allowing the person, you know, who has the more issues in the relationship room to grow. They need time to learn, right? So for you, you just jumped right in, right? But a lot of people need that, like, I guess, uh, maybe just validation, that it takes time. It did take me time. I mean, my version of like our history is going to be different than your version of our history. But for me, you know, I wanted to not have tantrums. And I can confidently say that, right? That like, I'm not throwing things around the house, tossing my luggage, (laughs) throwing my luggage, you know, when we walk in from our honeymoon or just like things, I'm not doing those things. So to me, it took a really long time. So if you didn't have those knowledge, that knowledge and experience, or you weren't pushing me and, you know, using all the things you had already learned in your life, I don't, you know, I don't know. I think that would have been harder. So, you know, we want to speak to those people, right? That's what I'm saying. Absolutely. Uh, You know, and both partners should be seeking to have a deep relationship uh, with their identity. Uh, Because if you don't, if you have a shallow relationship with your identity, it's going to be so much harder to try to convince another person um, to trust in you because you don't quite trust in yourself. Um, you know, we have to be able to stand on our own two feet um, strong. And we have to be able to say what we mean and mean what we say and stand firm with that. Uh, because when you create a deeper relationship with your identity, 
it gives that other person the opportunity to trust you that much more uh, because they see how connected you are with your identity and they can get on board with something like that. But if you're struggling, you know, I work with some men who are having a hard time with, um, you know, really embracing their role in the relationship uh, because either they just weren't raised in relationships like that, like with their mom and dad, um, or they've just, you know, they've, they've developed these really dysfunctional formulas on how they handle obstacles, how they handle problems throughout life that they don't even really trust themselves. So how can they ask another partner to trust them and ask the partner and, and trust in the partner? You know, that, that sounds like a, a relationship that is doomed, mm-hmm. you know. So part of the thing that I do uh, is help my clients, male and female, develop a stronger relationship with their identity. Because once you have that uh, and you become uh, confident in who you are, you know, as a man or a woman, uh, that is something that you can, you know, use as a backbone to your relationship because the other person will see you and how confident you are in your identity and they can lean on you that much more and you on them as they develop a deeper and a stronger uh, relationship with their identity. Yep. That's a good point is that is part of it. You know, you were very secure in who you were when I met you. So it was a little bit easier for you to be able to do all of these things because you weren't questioning your own reality because you were secure in your reality. So, you know, if you have, or if you're in a, a partnership with someone with BPD and you're questioning your reality, it's not, you know, entirely the fault of the person with BPD. I mean, sure, yes, like we do have to take responsibility for our behaviors. But, you know, think about if you were strong and who you were, if you had a good relationship with your identity, what that would be like for you. And that's what Jay's trying to say, you know, that he had and he was offering to me and that you can offer to your partners. And that is the work of recovery for someone with BPD is to have a strong relationship with your identity as well. So you're both doing this work. And then the kind of relationship you have is amazing because you're both working on becoming the best versions of yourselves and supporting each other through that. You know, and also I would say, you know, in terms of resentment, like you have to remember that anything that you're doing behaviorally, especially negative behaviors, they become habitual. So if you're used to some to being the person who lets little things go until it bottles up and then you explode because you have all of this resentment, that's a habit. Then, you know, so you want to look at how can you, you know, focus on the growth the person's making in the relationship, focus on the good things. How can you shift your perspective so you can create distance between yourself and all of that resentment? You know, and I just also want to shift gears now and talk about other people that I, you know, you've done damage to in a relationship. I mean, this one for me, like looking at familial relationships or just a people in general, you know, that have been impacted by my behaviors, you know, I feel like what the way that I had approached those relationships is just being myself who I am now. 
So continuously striving to grow, being who I am. I didn't go back and have conversations about all of the things I had done wrong. I just kept moving forward. And relationships shift and change and grow as you move forward. I don't really, you know, I don't have to talk about those kinds of things because I was a huge part of the problem in the family relationships because I wasn't taking responsibility for my behavior. I wasn't trying to grow or be anyone different. So that's just something to be aware of. And I also made the people closest to me, like Jay, you know, my son, you know, anyone who's closest to me, those are the relationships I tried hard to hold on to. This is hard work, folks. So, I mean, no, I did not go to every single person that I had ever damaged, like go back in time and and apologize to them. It's just not something that I feel like I need to do. It's not something that I feel like you guys should really be putting on your plate. First, start with your house. What, who is currently closest to you? And then move on from there. What do you think about that, Jay? Absolutely. You know, that's how you know that you've really gone somewhere. Um, yeah. Because you can, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> you know, you can see that clearly. And that's how you know that you've progressed because you can look back and be like, yeah, you know, I was a big problem in these, you know, areas and I was not recognizing my contribution to the situation, you know, or these conflicts with these specific people, you know, family, friends, you know, business associates, colleagues, whatever, um, whatever situation that you found yourself in back then, uh, if you can get to the point now where you look back and you can see where you went wrong, um, you know, the the contribution that you put in to whatever that circumstance was back then that's how you know you've really grown you know and that's how you know that you've you've moved forward quite a bit so start tracking that you know start start looking at some of the things that you've gone through some of the conflicts that you've been in and start looking at how did i contribute how did i put myself there You know, what could I have done differently to get a different outcome? You know, because we learn through history. You know, that's just how it goes. That's why we have memory, uh, because it teaches us things. But if we look back and we always just say, nope, I did everything perfectly. It was all their fault. It was all, you know, all them. You have nothing to learn. Mm -hmm. You have nothing to learn. And I would also argue that you haven't really grown much, you know, because in any conflict we have contributed, you know, even if it was a small contribution, it doesn't matter. You've contributed in some form or fashion. So acknowledging that shows that you've moved forward because you are now at a position where you can look back and be like, yeah, I kind of was a, a, you know, wrong in that situation. So you know, and I know that it should that happen again, I'm going to handle it differently, you know, because I'm not that person anymore. You know, I've moved forward and I'm a lot stronger. So my methods are going to be different. Uh, I have way upgraded my formulas, Mm -hmm. my systems in which how I handle problems, obstacles. And so I, I don't have to worry about going through that thing again. You know, that's something that's never going to happen to me again, unless I allow it. Yeah, that's exactly the way 
That's exactly the way I feel about it for myself, for sure. I mean, I can go and sit around and think about all those things, but I don't really have a lot of emotion towards it because I was different. You know, I could have never, I'd made lots of mistakes in past relationships, sure, and probably damaged lots of relationships. Maybe some people still hold resentment towards me. I mean, I don't know, but I can't think about those things because that's not who I am anymore. And so if I was still that person, I would absolutely feel bad and I'd be thinking about it, right? But I'm just not that person anymore. So I'm not going to keep punishing myself for who I was like a year ago. You know, that's just doesn't make any sense. I'm not that person and I work really hard. And so I deserve that part of life. And, and so that's really important for you to think about if you are, if you have BPD and you're hyper-focusing on all of the relationships that you've damaged. Again, you want to distance yourself from that. You want to push past that and become the best person you can be in life. And there's a lot of freedom and confidence in that. Like I do have a lot of freedom and confidence in that because I know I don't, there's nothing that I can do other than apologize and grow, which I've, I'm growing and I'll never stop growing. Everyone has growth to do, including myself. And I'm, and I'm sorry. And that's it. And you know, whether or not the people I was in relationship back then want to choose to forgive me or not, that's not up to me. Unfortunately, I can't control that. And I don't really want to, you know, that's just not who I am anymore. So yeah, there's confidence in your recovery. I mean, that's awesome that that's really great stuff that we're talking about it. I feel like we're also talking it through as we're talking about it. So hopefully you guys can hear some of the just, you know, ways that we're processing just growth in general and in relationships in general. You have any other, any final thoughts on resentment, trust, forgiveness? Uh, you know, just always remember that uh, forgiveness is a choice. You know, that's not an emotional thing. It doesn't just make the thing go away and you're just like, oh, yeah, we're all good now. It's it's a choice. And you are choosing, again, you are choosing the relationship over the conflict. You know, is that easy? No, it's not always easy. Uh, because you know that there is work to be done. So that's the thing that, you know, makes you insecure uh, you're afraid that the person is not going to do the work that needs to be done to fix this thing, you know, and it may be something that could never be fixed. But if moving forward from it is fixing it, then, you know, both sides has to be 100% uh, committed on fixing and moving forward. You know, if it's infidelity, uh, that's something that is huge. You know, I would say most people that's a deal breaker, you know, that, that value is higher than the relationship because that proves to the other person that they value the relationship less than, you know, the infidelity. Uh, so if that's the case and, you know, the, the two partners decide they still want to keep moving forward, um, that person who was cheated on has to understand they are making the choice to move forward with this person with the understanding that the other person is going to grow from this and that that is no longer a viable option uh, going forward or it will be the end of the relationship, you know, 
That's a tough one. Infidelity, infidelity is a tough one because everyone handles that a little bit differently. And, you know, in, in terms of us, that's a deal breaker. You yeah. know, like that's that's something that, you know, we have both discussed that that's never going to be on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it happens, then, you know, that is something that supersedes the value of the relationship. And so that's something that we will never approach, mm-hmm. um, you know, and not only that, but again, when you're secure in your identity, you know, I am very, very secure in my identity as a man. And I know as a man, I took an oath and that's something that, uh, you know, I choose to live by, uh, because oath an oath is a very strong thing for me. Um, so Having that relationship with your identity, uh, having the value of the relationship understood and uh, putting values on the conflicts and comparing them to the relationship are all great ideas for getting through conflict um, by, by means of communication and trust. Awesome. Again, thank you so much for joining me today in this episode. Such great points. And, you know, like resist the urge. Final thought is, you know, resist the urge to cut the person you're in relationship down by trying to get them to be who they were yesterday. You know, I had that thought while Jay was talking is like, that was one thing that he never did. He never would expect me to act the same as I did before. He always expected me to act better. So that was really helpful for me because he wasn't going, well, you're never going to get this or, you know, yeah, you're just going to keep on doing this or whatever, like trying to peg me as who who I was yesterday. He was always pushing me to become who he knew I was capable of being. So that really helps, you know, if you're working on get letting go of your resentment, you know, try not to, you know, do that to your partner with BPD. Don't tell your partner with BPD that they're going to do the same thing over and over again because they're going to feel defeated and that doesn't help with trust and it doesn't help with resentment. So, you know, there's always seeking growth, you know, trying to get better. And for those of you out there who have BPD, your partner communicates, you need to listen, 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 listen. Jay would say things like space and I would be Googling space. I would look it up. I would research it. I would try to figure it out. And when I couldn't figure it out, he would have another conversation with me and I would try to figure that out. But I just never stopped trying to figure it out because I didn't want to be that way forever. It's just not, it's just so painful. So yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jay. Anytime. All right. So stay tuned for our Q&A. Hi Rose, so this is my question. Um, I'm in a relationship with someone who has suffers from severe borderline personality disorder and some comorbid disorders as well. And um, I do have this feeling that she feels, because I do understand the, um, the illness because I read a lot about it. Uh, I was interested in mental health uh, before I met her, but now I do really understand her. I do read a lot I talk a lot to psychiatrists psychologists yet I do have the feeling that she now thinks that she 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 has a feeling of inferiority um, 
and that I could potentially control her with my knowledge. Um, would you ever? Would you ever think that this is possible? Um, so she that's that seems to be a real problem for her. Thank you so much for sending in your question. So first, I really just wanted to take a minute to say that that's really incredible that you spend your time researching to try to figure out, you know, who she is and what she goes through and the way that her brain works. It's an incredibly powerful thing to do as a partner. And it is an expression, whether she realizes it or not, is it is an expression of how much you value her, just like we were talking about, right? for you to go above and beyond to really do that for her. So I wanted to say that's pretty awesome of you. Um, in terms of her, you know, thinking that you are going to use that information to control her, I mean, it's just interesting that that's where she goes with that. It's as if she is resistant to your help, right? Which I think Jay can speak on too, because you know before we started recording, we talked about it as being you know a trust issue between the both of you. So I will hand it over to Jay, but just validating that that is awesome you're doing that. Yeah, that is great. Um, you know, and it takes that kind of work to really uh, to really get close with them to to get them to understand that it's not about control; it's actually about freedom. Um, you want the best for her. You want her to feel good, empowered. Um, and that has nothing to do with control. That's the opposite of being controlled. Um, so my suggestion is it's, it's going to be in the way that you can articulate the information that you've gotten. Um, because you want to articulate it in a way that resonates with her, um, that gives her, you know, that light bulb effect, um, in which she can see, that if she is willing enough to listen to what you have to say or try the things that you are asking her to do, uh, once she gets on the other side of that, she realizes that there is more power that way. Um, she will you know, experience a moment of success. She'll experience a moment of power. Um, and that is something that will give her more of a willingness to trust you a little bit more going forward. You know, it's like trying to get someone to go the direction. You kind of have to lead them there, um, you know, but you're not forcing them there. You know, you are, you know, kind of, little, you know, putting out the M&Ms, you know, <laughs> I'm referencing E.T., when they tried to get E.T. into the house, they led him with M&Ms. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of the same thing. Um, you know, you want to articulate the knowledge that you're attaining in a way that resonates with her that she's like, okay, you know, I, I, I can get that, you know, and I understand what that means. And wow, that's good insight. So, you know, feed me a little bit more. You know, what else you got? All right. So thank you so much for sending in your questions. And if you have a question, like always, just head on over to the Anchor app and I, we would be happy to answer them. Have a good week, everybody.
Okay, thanks for listening. That was from Borderline and Beautiful, a production of Thrive Mind Body LLC, online coaching that helps frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Visit us on the web at thriveonlinecounseling.com. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or any app that you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get a new episode every Monday. If you want to get in touch, you can leave me a voice message. Some of you had some comments and questions from the last episodes, and I'd love to hear whatever questions you have, too. Just download the Anchor mobile app, search for From Borderline to Beautiful, and tap the message button to send me a voice message. We'll have all those links in the show description. Okay, we made it. Thanks again for listening. I'm Rose Skeeters, and I'll be back next week with another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Talk to you then.